Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Weekly Exchange. This week in Forex and Strategy Game News, we have updates on Thea 2, Planetfall, Northgard, Dwarf Fortress, and much, much more. Nate and Troy. Hey, Troy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Nate. It's good to be here. How are you doing? Uh, a little bit better than last week. How are the kids? Uh, doing better. My oldest has an ear infection now, so that's not fun for anybody. But they're over the flu, so there is that. Yeah, there's that. And you stayed healthy the whole time? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm healthy. Healthy as a horse. Can't say so much for my wife. She's recovering too now. But, <laughs> you know, and I was the one exposed to the three of them. The plague bearers in my household were like, you know, <laughs> to get sick. And I was able to withstand their attacks. I shall not disclose my secrets. If I do, I will have to charge for it. So. Oh, well, there you go. No doubt. Well, speaking of remedying lots of diseases and people feeling miserable, let's talk about Thea 2 and oh, wow. what's what going a, on over there. What a lead in. Well, Jeez. the thing is, that's what the mm-hmm. game's all about, right? Uh, Death, n- misery, in a good way, no, though. But in a no, good not, way. No. no yeah. My, my game is happy. My people are happy. My village grows. It's, it's a very... A very accommodating place. I have multi-species villages. I try to diversify, get a little bit of everything, you know. So that way, the plague can't wipe out all of one species, right? You know. Shh! You're not supposed to tell that to anybody. <laughs> Jeez, man. No, but seriously. So this past week, actually on the 14th, they had put out a second update. So the original update came out, I believe, on the first. Yes, so this is the follow-up update to the first, and um, in it, they have added... So, the previous update, they added weather effects. In this update, they have added the mini-map, and they're going to be tweaking that for a while. Awesome. They uh, added some more additional art for the terrain. So, again, in the previous update, they had added a new thing that you can do, which is as you explore the map and, you know, engage different creatures and animals and terrain and, you know, features and whatnot, you can do research on it. Right. And it's it's almost like a Theopedia. But there's a benefit to that. And there's a malice. If you don't research all these creatures that, at least this is what I'm seeing. I don't know if this is 100%, but I've also read this as well. So if you do not research the creatures, then you are weaker against them and if you do research the creatures 
and the terrain and everything else, then you are stronger against it. So there is a benefit to doing that. So while your uh, you, your group is encamped, a lot of times you don't have enough resources around you to engage everybody, and you don't have enough things to like you know have everybody doing something. So this is something you can do is research. Part of it is research points to advance to open up basically um, your tech chart pie thingy web. And mm-hmm. the other part is you're exploring the elements and like, I guess, taking notes and you get little, you're learning more about the, uh, and I think that's very good. So they added a lot, of, a lot, I'm assuming, if not the rest of the remaining art for that. Then they added additional 3D models for several elves, an orc and a human. So that means that there's going to be, my assumption, uh, more variety, which I'm really looking forward to. And then they also added a new skill to jewelry. They don't say what the skill is now. I have not updated my game, so I haven't had a chance to mess with this yet. But that's what they're coming with. And then they, they're tweaks. And there are all kinds of tweaks. They're continuing to tweak things. They're working on balance. And one of the things I'm noticing, based on the feedback, is that they have changed aggression. And now, pretty much, everybody's pissed off on, on, the, on the Theon Islands. And unless you're best friends with them, you're getting attacked left and right. People are complaining about that. And I think that goes more towards what you were saying with Thea, that it's all bad. And it's not wise. all bad. It, it's, it's, no. it's misery mixed with triumph, and that's what makes it feel good. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, I'll go with that, I guess. But anyways... So they're continuing to change things. They're further adjusting the when you can up. This is another thing that was added a few releases ago, where you can upgrade your idol, and when you do that by using better materials, you get different bonuses, and you can get additional, um, like it, the diameter around your village can expand as to what you can uh, harvest resources and things like that. So they're continuing to to tweak that. Another thing they're doing is that if you are um, surrendering an event, be it a battle or a social challenge or magical test or something like that, then the outcome is like the result will be worse. So like the penalties will be higher, which is like an incentive for you not to surrender the event, but actually try to beat it, whatever the event happens to be and so on and so forth. There, there, there are additions. It's not a ridiculous amount, but it is, it is a, I think the changes they're making are fantastic. Oh, and I found one. Now you can name your pets and your summons. Okay, well, there it is. It's the best patch ever. Because so, <laughs> I always do stuff like that. In my head, I always have names for them. So anyways, um, links are in the notes. Check it out. Thea 2 is continuing its march towards release. And I'll talk more about it at the end of the show. Awesome. Well, next we're going to talk about Age of Wonders Planetfall. We actually got kind of a shorter update from them this week, and it's all about landmarks. And landmarks are kind of like what they were in Age of Wonders 3. Basically, there are the, the map in Planetfall is divided into sectors, and some sectors might have a landmark on them. The landmark will dominate that sector. You're not going to be able to build a colony on that sector. However, you can expand the borders of your colony to annex the sector with the landmark, and then you're going to get bonuses from it. There are three different levels for each landmark, bronze, silver, and gold. Obviously, the higher up you go on the value, the more you're going to get from it. And each one is going to be specialized with food, energy, production, or research. And so a bronze one will give you plus one food for per turn. 
say, or a gold one will give you uh, like plus five production per turn or something like that. All right. And when you take a sector with the landmark, you don't necessarily get it right away. It might be protected by marauders, which means you got to go fight them. And unlike a lot of Age of Wonders battles, where if you have allies in adjacent hexes, you can bring them in on the fight. With landmarks, you only get to take in one hexes worth of fighters with you. So up to six units to go fight to take the landmark. And the landmarks, the way that they're laid out on the uh, tactical battle board, it really favors the defender. So they're going to be t- hard to take. And But at the same time, that's what's going to make them fun and interesting to play with. So uh, also, like, let's say you take the landmark and, you know, you're getting the bonuses from it. When an enemy force comes to your sector, you're going to get the defensive position bonuses then as well. So I, I like that. I think it's pretty cool. Um, there isn't much more to say about them. Honestly, uh, there there is one more thing I guess I could talk about is there are void landmarks that have that can cause void instabilities on nearby units. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see what that's more um, how that exactly will alert, look and work mm-hmm. later on once it comes out. So right. a lot of these landmarks are things left over from the Star Union uh, that you're trying to reestablish, rebuild, or uh, well, exploit. Potentially, it depends which faction you're right. Playing. Like which I was saying, faction. or you're uh, trying to exploit uh, to promote your own particular faction. Or exterminate. Yeah. So uh, that's that's really it for Planetfall this week. It wasn't a very long update. What's what I found really interesting with the landmarks is it reminds me a little bit from Age of Wonders three when you have city sieges. Though over there you can have uh, again like maximum army sieging the city, but the defender gets bonuses from being you know behind walls and being elevation bonuses and defensive bonuses. So that's kind of what it feels like it, it's going to be with the, with the landmark. So kind of we'll have to wait and see. You know we'll have to kind of. Keep our eyes open for it. Okay, well, continuing on the space theme, but moving up into orbit, this week we've had an update from Galactic Civilizations 3, and this is a patch, massive version 3.6 community update patch, whatever you want to call it. And basically, this is based on feedback from the players reporting various bugs and inconsistencies and balance issues. So... um, Part of it applies to the main game. Part of it applies to the recent expansion, uh, Retribution. So um, they highlighted four major things where if you merge free fleets together, you're no longer um, renaming them and having issues that apparently that was causing all kinds of havoc. Uh, when you have mo- custom ships and when you have mods, uh, they're they're resolving issues there so you don't have lockups from that. Then... This is something that's been bugging me, and nothing. This isn't a Galsiv issue. It is a 4x issue. When you have a species that is not using a certain resource, but yet they still use the resource and they take a penalty from it, then various games I have I had asked about. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. These guys don't use this resource. Why would you even show it? Well, they have miners amongst them that do, or maybe they use it for trade or something. And it's like. That doesn't make sense. So what they're specifically talking about is artificial life forms 
no longer building farms because they don't eat. Robots don't eat. And that is just such a tiny, simple little thing. But I've been gnashing my teeth over it for decades because this thing drives me nuts. It's like, why would robots farm? What, what do they care about farm implements and food if they will never eat? You know, and they're like, uh, uh, just, just roll with it. Okay, I'll roll. Now, another thing is, um, you're, another major thing is the Commonwealth can no longer flip worlds in your empire. So if you're part of a Commonwealth, my understanding is, is that the other members of the Commonwealth cannot flip your worlds to them because that would be going against the rules of a Commonwealth. And, that, and as they say, treason, which would make sense. That's how, can you imagine if like humans and Vulcans were flipping each other worlds in the Federation? What kind of civil war that would start? Yeah, it'd be terrible. Yeah, so those are the major things. And then they have um, a lot of balance changes, fixes, people reporting uh, different um, like improvements that don't work correctly. That's being fixed. People, uh, descriptions, not not fitting the weapon type. Uh, they're continuing to tweak pathfinding. Um you know, they're uh, working on bonuses and things of that nature. Then they're making adjustments to UI, fixing bugs, making mods work better. So apparently there's a thing where, I guess, a mod that you can open a whole lot of text at the same time. So somebody was opening something like 12 texts at the same time, like, I guess, discovering them. And it was causing crashes as a result in their mod. And... Um, whoever wrote up the, the this uh, changelog wrote, you know who you are. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think it was in a negative way, but I think it was somebody in particular. Like, you know, like you're making a mod, almost like a, like a what, what are they called? Uh, trainers? They're like cheat mods, essentially. Like if you want to, you know, go through a bunch of tech real quick, you're trying to play a game in a certain, so they make a trainer, which is really a, like a cheat menu. So I think that's what it was, and they fixed it so it could still work the way it's intended to work, which is good. And, you know, just additional things that they're fixing based on feedback from the community. And you know what? I like seeing that. I like it when the community that puts in the effort, that takes meticulous notes, submits bug reports, and then the community at the same time is also not just rewarded with the fixes, but also acknowledged as having found this, you know, when developers, this, everything I'm going to be saying between now and the end of the show is all going to lead to a big rant from me, a huge rant from me. And I'm trying to figure out how to make it without just breaking down and cursing for the whole time that I'm doing it. So I'm still like working my way out, my way through that in my head. But basically, this is another example of the community and developers working to improve the game. And even though not everything can always be done in a timely fashion or when a particular community person or people discover something, it's still good that it gets done, you know? Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so we're going to stick with Stardock for a little bit and talk about Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion. And it got a patch this past week that fixed a lot of problems and rebalanced a few things, so we'll talk about that for a little bit. First up, the NPC Rampant Militia and Minor Faction ships will now upgrade their abilities as they gain experience, and if they weren't doing that before, yeah, that's a problem. That's kind of a big problem. So, yeah, that's an important fix. And then there's a couple fixes here I'm not too happy about, but I'll explain why in just a minute. Okay. Uh, first is pirates no longer stay in fleet when they arrive at their target planet. 
which will allow them to be more effective at raiding enemy defenses. And also with pirates, only pirate rogues now place trade ships at the top of their target priorities. If there are enemy DPS units or structures in the gravity well, all the other pirate ships will engage those first before raiding the trade ships. So what that means is, the pirates in Sins of a Solar Empire Rebellion are going to be even stronger than they were before, which was really, really strong. So, <laughs> it's like, this is a super hard game, and they just made it harder, which is, I don't know, I guess it's their thing. That's fine. Uh, if you haven't ever tried uh, Sins, you really should. It's a good game. I love it. Uh, there was a lot of rebalancing when it came to like scrapping ships or scuttling ships, that sort of thing. So they reworked a lot of that. A bit of the problem was their math wasn't working right for whatever reason, so they rebalanced a bunch of that. Um, it, along with this is dozens and dozens of bug, bug fixes, including some extra support and fixes for modding. You were just talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, Nate, how in Galaxy 3, mm -hmm. they, were, they were addressing mods there. Well, they did sort of the same thing here in Sins and fixed a bunch of things for that. And, you know, they're also adding um, a, a tools to the game. Uh, I, I would assume this is also for modding. So a, additional things that will help uh, players improve the game, change the game, modify it however they want. So all that's been added in this past thing. Um, I think we reported a while ago that they added, uh, I don't know, a new patch or DLC to the game. And I think a lot of this is kind of just fixing that up and tightening everything the way it should be. Yeah, it's, uh, they had a DLC released a while back. I believe they introduced like minor factions. Minor factions, yeah. So they're probably going back now and adjusting stuff based on, you know, feedback from the community as to what's broken or what's not working right. So, okay. Well, moving on. Um, we've had a Battletech update, and this is um, 1.5.0. And this is, it is a small update, but at the same, not tiny small, but small. But the key feature in this update is this is, this fixes file corruption. So Battletech, for some people, has been very problematic. And people having all kinds of file corruptions, you know, campaigns being killed, when they're shutting down the game. So they are working on it, and apparently they might have identified the cause and fixed it. Now, there's also a fix for Mac users, and they fixed some... Um, there were apparently some delays in voiceover and camera moves for the Mac Warriors, and they fixed that. Now, I never had that issue, so maybe it's a video card thing or something like that. I'm not sure. Or processor or RAM or something. I, I don't know, but I didn't really experience any of that then they fixed they had a lot of bug fixes lots of bug fixes crashes fixes things like that all based on feedback and then they had um fixes on mechs for incorrect values and a lot of these mechs are mechs that i used in my game there was one in particular that you got in the the dlc that they released the first expansion they put out for it i guess I, i'm not even sure what to call it but um there were some unique mechs in there, and one of the unique mechs was if you do this, the, the flashpoints. If one particular flashpoint, you can pick up this mech. It's a very unique mech. It could be very cool or very not cool. really depends on what you do with it. But once you have this mech, you could never really use it. You couldn't sell anything back to the marketplace. You were stuck, and it was, like, very annoying. And depending on at what point in your campaign you got this mech, whether it was after you beat the game or if you did it, like mid-game, that could really impact your save. So they fixed it. 
they've been trying to fix it, and I think this might be the final fix that needs to be. They uh, fixed a couple of achievements that people couldn't unlock. One of them is called I Thought You Were Dead. The other one is Professional Scavenger. But you can't, if you had achieved it earlier by applying this this um, update, it, you don't automatically all of a sudden start popping achievements. You still have to, I guess, redo it. So if you care about that kind of stuff, you have there. They did some localization work and, and uh, you know, a couple of little things. Again, a lot of this stuff is based on community feedback. Granted, some of the stuff has taken a long time to get to, but they did it and they, you know, they listened to the community. And I don't remember seeing too many places where the people that are interacting with the community are attacking community members. You know, disagreements will happen, but I can't for the life of me think of a paradox person or any of the companies they use for PR or community management that they would outright attack people that are unhappy. You know, they might ban people, they might silence people, like not silence, but like put them on probation. Like, look, you can't post here for so many days. You got to chill out. You know, that doesn't that kind of behavior is unacceptable, but they don't attack the community. And that's, again, leading to that item that I'm going to talk at the end. All right. So next we have uh, an update for Northgard. And this one actually has a name called Relics because they're introducing a new mechanic to the game. First off, you're going to be able to uh, improve your forge. The forge will now require a woodcutter's lodge to be created. And you're going to be able to upgrade the forge to like a super forge where instead of having two smiths working there, you can have up to three, which means you'll be able to create these new relics faster. And so now you can have three different actions inside the forge. You can upgrade your civilian tools, which means they'll, uh, they'll quarry stone faster, they'll chop wood faster, that sort of thing, kind of like uh, the old uh, Warcraft games. You can upgrade military tools, which will make your soldiers more effective in battle, and then you can forge a relic. And the relics are kind of interesting, so you can uh, make a bunch of different ones, and they all have names that come from Norse mythology. So Thor's hammer, Mjolnir is in there, and uh, a bunch of other things I'm probably not good at pronouncing, but there's a shield, a cauldron, um, a idol-looking thing, a cup. All these things can be created now in-game, and they're going to give you bonuses. So, for example, let's say you make Mjolnir. Uh, it can damage units and buildings in the targeted tile, and it has a 12-month cooldown. So you'll be able to use it once a year. Remember, this is a real-time game. So once a year, and it'll be able to almost like a, like an artillery shot at your opponent. So that's pretty cool. Uh, also, they've done a few rebalancing for the clans, and I am very pleased to read that the goat clan is getting a buff. Its feasts have been improved, and the goat's fame 200. You get more tools for farmers, hunters, and fishermen, and they are free and can be crafted 50% faster. So, in my opinion, the goat clan was the best clan mm -hmm. in Northgard, and they're even better now. And also, uh, dragon men get an AOE attack that deals 100% damage only to the targeted enemy and then 70% to enemies nearby. So I think it used to, I think it used to do 100% to everybody. I, I could be wrong about that. I never really played the dragon men. So, well, because anyway. the goats were the best. Oh, well, yeah, you know, much better than the wolf and the bear and all that. So, also, uh, they're adding a, uh, a, a 
a change to the Magma Lake victory tile. You can now forge Odin's sword on it, and you have to build all three parts of Odin's sword on that uh, Magma tile to win. Uh, a few rebalances to uh, some of the monsters and units and this sort of thing there. So anyway, Northgard's getting a real, like a decent update, and I it's it's not a DLC. It's not something you got to pay for. They're just adding it to the game. So if you have Northgard, you might check this out. It's pretty cool. Absolutely, absolutely. What else you got to tell us about? Well, we're going to make a lot of the old guys happy tonight. Nate and I have gone out of our way to find some news that will make all of our listeners who like to wave their canes at the youngins and say, I remember when I played 4X games on a Commodore 64 and an Apple IIe and stuff like that. So, Dwarf Uh Fortress... Probably the most beloved and behated, revered and reviled, widely played and terribly misunderstood roguelike sim strategy game ever to be made is coming to Steam. It's going to be available on Steam. And not only that, it's going to have graphics, not the ASCII art like it's well known for. But actual graphics. Now, there's mods for Dwarf Fortress out there that'll add graphics to it. But these will be actual graphics officially added to the game. It'll be available on Steam for the first time ever. And, like, Dwarf Fortress is probably the most infamous strategy game ever. I I don't know. Is it a roguelike? There's three different ways to play it. And one's more like a sim. One's more like a roguelike. One's more like Minecraft, sort of. Well, it it preceded all of those. Oh, by by yeah. I mean, like so, uh, the the developer has been working on this game for twenty years or more. And well, yeah, we're not well, maybe almost thirty years now. It's it's getting up there. So um, anyway, it's coming to Steam. Developers. Well, so yeah. I think it's two main guys. Two guys, right? So, uh, and uh, Kotaku reported that one of the reasons they made this decision is that, um, well, it's it's for financial, obviously, but also one of the developers is um, ill, and he needs to earn extra money to cover his medical bills. So uh, putting this game for purchase on Steam will allow them to cover their, basically, their cost of living in, mm-hmm. in a very um, literal way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's... People have supported this game for for ages now. It, it's built a really uh, dedicated community for the game. So in the end, I think that's pretty cool. And well, I don't know. What do you think about it all, Nate? Uh, yeah, pretty damn cool. You know, have I mean, you ever it, played? Have you ever played Dwarf Fortress? A long time ago. But you know, I'm what is called by some people a graphics whore. So (laughs) it is difficult for graphic whores such as myself, no insult intended to non-graphics whores or graphics people or whatever. I'm I'm a a snob or something. I don't know. But yeah, so it it makes it hard for me to play games that don't have good graphics or at least okay graphics. So I have not touched in a long time. I mean, come on. After you play like something like Civ 5, or Endless Phase 2, or Endless Legend, how can you go back to a game? And then, and I'm talking like, you know, five, six, seven years ago, right? Right. How do you go back to a game that's hard to look at? Like, if somebody said, hey, Nate, let's go play some Master of Orion 1 or 2, I'd be like, hey, no. 
<laughs> no, I, I can't do it. So, you know, but it's, it's, hey, that's my, that's my main issue with Distant Worlds and with Dominions, right? And I've never hidden it. I've never pretended it was otherwise. I mean, I, I recognize that they're good games. This is a fantastic game. Fantastic. And, you know, maybe with some graphical work, I might jump into it. But the truth of the matter is, is that there, I have such a massive backlog right now. And I have so many things I need to put out for Explominate that the likelihood of me touching it is very small. So, okay. Speaking of that, uh, this week's game for the what is section is called Tales of a Spy Master. Now, take a look. Normally, when we are talking about games, strategy games or 4X games or anything, usually we're talking about uh, you are the leader. You're like the sovereign of a nation. You know, you are the undead ruler that's going to control your people for thousands of years or the god that they pray to. And then there is... There are a couple of games out there that kind of buck the trend a little bit, like Sorcerer King, for example. You're trying to take down the current deity, god, ruler of the land, the king, the king of kings, to become one yourself. Well, in this game, it's a little different. In this game, you actually play as the second, not so much, I don't know if it's the second in command, but a right-hand man. You are the spy master of a monarch. And you are in a fictional land, and basically uh, your faction, your monarch is competing with seven other kingdoms, I believe. And you have to maintain a relationship with them. You, you know, there's fighting in the game. There's uh, diplomacy. There is economy. You have the map has, it's, you know, we, we were already talking about games that aren't like, you know, massive lookers. This one is not one of them. It looks all right. But it's not, you know, it's not the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But whatever, you know, it's, not everybody cares about things like that. So, and we try to cover things for everybody. And basically, this game is set to be released, I believe, they say May 17th. So, about two months from now. And um, you, not only are you there to assist your monarch, but you're also trying to figure out... Um, like the history of the world and what's going on there, you know? And then what's really the one thing that is very um, unique about this is this is not a I go, you go system. It's a we go system. Everybody's taking their turns at the same time. And so there's no, it's not like, um, you know, one person takes a turn, then another, then another, or maybe two people take simultaneous turns. I mean, literally everybody's taking turns all at the same time. So if you spend too much time, thinking you might miss out on something so it's it should be an interesting game and if anybody's interested in this particular type of game give it a look and if you do purchase it and play it let us know what you think because you know we're always curious to hear feedback about titles and um, especially ones that we feature in our various segments okay troy is it time it is time unleash the hounds nate okay so as i had mentioned earlier if you paid attention during the show there were little hints about the developers and the community and what can happen when they get along and when there's this i guess path that both groups traverse and during this time they communicate with one another and things happen wonderful things usually mostly not always but mostly and then there is this particular story. So as you all know, I have been a huge, notice the keyword, have been or had been a huge proponent of Phoenix Point. 
I would sing its praises. I backed the game through Fig. I'm so hyped for this game. I tried the. And what kind of game was that, Nick? This was made by Julian Gollop, who was the original developer for the XCOM game for Microprose back in the day. I believe it was Microprose, wasn't it? Uh, everything cool was Microprose back okay, then. Okay, so who made who made the first Civ games? Was it Microprose? Yeah, let's say that. Okay, let's just say that. Just oh, just... the Civ games? Yeah, yeah, Microprose. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think it's yeah, I think it's them. And then because yeah, yeah, definitely them. So he made the XCOM games and a couple others. And XCOM is based on other work that he had done prior to that. So he is acknowledged and admitted by all basically the originator of this type of squad tactics game and like that genre the XCOM style genre which Firaxis basically just revitalized with the XCOM game in 2012 and then XCOM 2 and like every other game coming out for a while now has been an XCOM type game a squad tactics turn-based things like that you know upgradable some of them moddable we've had a bunch and we'll have some excursions for them coming soon hopefully that's really on me I have to finish writing them. And anyways, all that aside. So um, the game I reported, I think it was maybe, I don't know, two, three weeks ago that the game got pushed back. It was supposed to be out at the end of last year, but it got pushed back to like end of winter this year. But then they pushed it back to like towards the end of summer. They, they've been working. I mean, it's not like we haven't seen what they're doing. They've given us three backer builds and each backer build is just gets better and better. There's They've been fine-tuning it. We've read the fiction because they've been releasing fiction and short stories. We're learning about the world. We're seeing videos, constant updates. So it's nothing of that nature. But then the game gets pushed back. Okay, hey, you know, I'd rather it comes out in a good state, like, you know, a very solid game than to come out unfinished with all kinds of problems. Who needs that headache, right? So this past week, I get a tweet we and, and an email from them as an update from Snapshot Games. Oh, we have an update from, from our lead designer developer, from our founder, Julian Golub. Click on this. It's exciting. I'm like, ooh, it's exciting. What can it be? Okay, that update was not exciting. That update was like, probably one of the worst things you can hear from a developer so part of the deal for this game was is that when the game was going to come out you could i don't know if it was you would have both but you could choose one or the other so you could either get your key through good old games aka gog which would mean that it would work through you know the gog infrastructure gog launcher galaxy whatever it's called or you could get it through steam and initially there were also promises of linux support at some point they said that Linux support was not going to happen. It was too much of a departure. It might happen at a later time. And a bunch of Linux players were like, oh, this sucks. That's BS. We backed this game. Why could you? Why would you do that? La, 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 la. And, and for me as a PC player on Steam, I was like, oh, it's no big deal. Well, turns out that that was just the beginning of things. So initially, it looked like Epic, the guys behind Fortnite, the Epic Game Store, like the big up, upcoming launcher that's going to, compete with Steam directly, that's been poaching some games from Steam and getting exclusives and things like that. It looked initially like they had poached the game from Steam. So Snapshot signed a one-year exclusive deal with Epic where they would release the game when it would come out. Now, I guess at the end of summer, August, September, it would come out on the Epic Store and it would be exclusive to the Epic Store and their platform for a year. And then... When it would be released on Steam, there would be several, throughout the year, there would be several DLC that prior to this would have been paid DLC or expansions or whatever. But because of this deal that they scored with Epic, 
would be free for Steam players. So like on the one hand, that's really cool. That's that's awesome. That's great. We get some free stuff. On the other hand, now we got to wait a year. So there was a whole thing going on back and forth for about two days. We'd be like, oh, what's the big deal? Why would you care? So it's another launcher. There's so many. And remember how last month I had a question about how many launchers you use? Right, how yeah. How many platforms you game? That was kind of alluding to this. Not because of this, but just in general, based on conversations I had with various people and like things I read, it was got me interested about it. So anyways, so now if you want to play Phoenix Point when it launches sometime later this year it will be an, an exclusive to epic so you would need to use their launcher so then a bunch of people were like oh it's no big deal what's one more launcher epic has this awesome deal they give you a free game every month la 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 meanwhile there's all kinds of insidious stuff going on with the epic store so the epic store is connected to tencent which is connected to the chinese government which is why you're really upset with paradox titles and you're just like i'm never playing a paradox title as long as they're affiliated with that absolutely so which is legitimate you know so here's the epic store connected directly to that and their terms of service are ridiculous their eula is ridiculous um rob had posted a comparison a side-by-side -side comparison of compa of steam which will be linked in the notes by the way of steam and epic like, what is shared? <clears throat> yeah, if you look at this, you're just going to be like, why would anybody want to use this ever? Seriously? You know, and then uh, Oliver had written a fantastic article. Mind you, listener, I did not ask him to write this. I did not hint at it like, hey, Oliver, you know, this thing is happening. Would you mind writing something up? He did it on his own and he hit me up shortly after the weekly exchange was published on Wednesday. And he's like, hey, Nate, I got this real hot button topic article. Why don't you give it a read? Tell me what you think. Would you be willing to post it? And I looked at it and I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. Let's post it. So it, that's why it went up. Usually we never post anything on the same day when we post the weekly exchange. But this thing was like right on the money. And the funny thing is, is that he looked at the business. He looked at the comparison between the Epic Store and the Steam Store, the fracturing of the community, you know, the fact that now there's going to be exclusives and now you're going to have stuff like that's happening between PS4 and Xbox, you know, between Microsoft and Sony and, and Nintendo. And that's about... And so, so there are a lot of very interesting things brought up in that article, the conversation that resulted from that article, both in our forums and in the comments of the article are fantastic. But anyways, okay, that's that's an aside almost. So getting back, I wanted to plug this because it's awesome. He deserves a lot of credit for that. But getting back to the point. So I was tweeting back and forth with Snapshot and, Fe and uh, the Phoenix Point main account. And, you know, and then throughout the day, they did a Q&A on Reddit. And in the Reddit Q&A, Julian Gallup was answering questions. And so I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, you know what? They got poached. This sucks. Uh, I'm mad about it, but you know what? I still I still care. You know, I hope he makes a good game. Maybe one day I'll check it out. As a result of this Reddit, I found out two things. Number one, the Epic people did not approach Snapshot and Julian Gollum. He approached them. So he actually went to them and he pitched them his game. And they're like, ooh, this looks cool. Let's do it. Problem is, is that all of us figbackers and the people that bought it directly through their website, so through FIG, they were funded something like 700-some thousand, 780,000, 70,000. Through their own direct purchases on their website, they picked up another like 1.5 million, 1.7 million. But between these two communities, we funded the game to up to that point. And then he took that finished product, that tech demo, whatever you want to call it, took it to Epic, 
and got additional funding. Now, had he communicated with the community, hey guys, we've reached a block, We the game has grown in scope, it's an amazing game, it's going to be the best game ever, but we need more money, we need to do a second campaign, will you support us? And if the people came back and said, oh, no, 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 we gave you a lot of money, we're afraid you're going to burn us, then, then I can see why he would go to the Epic Store or, or somewhere else or look for a publisher or something. But he didn't do that. And that was like, for me, that was a huge negative. That was like, you know, there's credibility. There's somebody who whose credibility is gone. We'll never get it back. There are other developers that have done shady things like this, and they will never get it back. And like, they might, uh, you know, you know who's one? Like uh, Peter Molyneux? Yeah, for sure. So he destroyed, he destroyed any goodwill, anything that he built, especially with what he did with Goddess. So that's what's happening here. That's the first thing. Second thing there's uh, one of their major he he's i don't know if he's a developer but he's their pr guy he's their community manager he's like the the guy who leads that group i think he i don't know if this was reddit or their discord it was on discord it was on discord he started like some people were asking him questions and he started attacking people i'm not talking about oh i'm gonna ban you or, oh, you're a jerk. I mean, like, full-on profanity-laced attacks. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, okay, maybe you're having, you know, 10,000 people pissing in your ear about this. You know why they're pissing in your ear, buddy? Because of what you guys did. For all intents and purposes, you stole money. And then you took it. It's like a pyramid scheme. You know, you take from Peter and you pay Paul. Or is it you take from Paul and pay Peter? You know, whichever way that that uh, analogy goes. So that's another thing. And it's just like, and like one thing on top of the other. And so that was like a second major strike. And it's like, okay, you know, two. You can overlook two things. But a third thing came out. And this is part of the AMA. And this is all the major news outlets jumped all over it. And do you know what it was, Troy? What's that? Julian Gallup saying, oh, we knew the community would be mad. Right. We knew that. We knew. We understood that. Great. I'm as a community, as a person who backed that. I'm very happy that you understood this. They didn't do any damage control ahead of time. Their idea of damage control is we're going to bribe the community with some free stuff afterwards. Okay. Continuing. Oh, about 1,600 people so far asked for refunds, but I doubt more people will ask. I don't think the community has it in it to ask. And this unstable, this unstable person, this PR guy, as part of this AMA, said. If we were to give back all of our backers, and I, I don't know if this is specifically to Fig, so it's, you know, 800,000, 770,000, or to the people that bought it through their website, that additional one and a half million or however much it was, 1.8 million. If they were to give all of us our money back, the money they got from Epic would still put them in the black. And oh my God, are you serious? Not that you got the money. We're, we already accept that. But the fact that you guys admit that this is what, what little value your community has to you, you know? Yeah, I found that personally to be the most offensive thing that they said. And it's like people that have supported them, cheered them on, promoted them. Like they valued the dollars over the people. Yeah. I, I found that very crass. No, I... I I don't know how I'm not cursing right. I'm I'm still that angry about it. it's it's such a strange thing to be angry about. It's just a game, Nate. It's just a game. Grow up, get over it. I know, but I'm still angry about it. This is it is just a game. But I've been following Julian Gollop's career for more than thirty years. You know, just about thirty years, and I I can't say he's my hero. You know, 
I my heroes are real people that actually did good stuff. But he's somebody who had impact on my life in various stages in my life. And I turned to his games to, I don't know, work through stuff and to find out that at the end of the day, he's not just a person, but he's, you know, piece of shit, <laughs> you know? And that's putting it lightly. It just, it doesn't feel good. That's all. So I'm done with Phoenix Point. I asked for my refund. When I get it, I will let you know. I will not buy, be buying it a year from now when it hits Steam. If I ever do buy it, I expect to pay no more than bargain price of 90% off or never. I, I'll probably never play it. I don't care. I'm done with Phoenix Point. Having said that, Phantom Brigade is my next most hyped squad tactics game. So I have a new, I have something that has dethroned Phoenix Point. I don't care about Phoenix Point. I will not cover Phoenix Point. This is the last time you hear me say Phoenix Point again, and I'm done with that game. Phantom Brigade, check it out. It's good. I'm excited for it. Ugh, man, that thing's been bugging me for a week. All right, so uh, I'll take the next one, give you a, a chance to kind of cool off there. Yeah, I, I'm going to uh, mute myself for a second so I can curse and spit and punch something. Sounds me. good. Yeah, anytime you want to mute yourself, just go right ahead. That'd be great for everybody. Ha. Um, oh, if you haven't muted, it, it's that little button next to your icon. Oh, yeah, true. If you click it. Oh, you're yeah, fine. There you go. You're pretending you still didn't hear me. Yeah. So, no, you got to click. You actually have to click the button, Nate, to, to mute yourself. Okay, well, now I'm not going to mute them. Oh, well, sorry, fans. I know I tried my best. Anyway, uh, Valve is making some changes to the way that reviews work on Steam again. And, you know, it's fine to take a look every now and then and see if it's still what everybody wants it to be. So they did a lot of um, uh, surveys and, like, discussing with the community about the review score for games, and they came to some conclusions about it, which is, one, that people really do value Steam scores and user reviews. So they're going to stay. If you remember, I don't know, it might have been a year ago, that there was they they floated the idea of just getting rid of it altogether because um I don't know it, it just caused I don't want to say controversy that might be too strong of a word but it certainly caused consternation and um so what they're going to do now is they're going to start they're going to add basically they're going to add another filter to Steam reviews and this new filter that you can switch on or off will eliminate what they call off-topic review bombs. And what that means is, if a particular game suddenly gets a lot of reviews, good or bad, that cite a reason other than gameplay, those reviews will be put in a separate category than the reviews that contribute to the default Steam score. Now, all you gotta do, if you want those reviews counted, you just click the little box and that adds them in, just like you can count uh, people who got the game for free or not, that sort of thing. So what this is intended to do is if somebody says something on Twitter that people don't agree with or don't like, and they get a bunch of their friends, get a couple hundred friends together, and they go review a particular game, uh, you know, they purchase it, they play it for an hour, give it a negative review, return the game, or whatever the method they use. Uh those reviews won't be counted toward the game's score, which, you know, I, I, I totally, I actually kind of am with Valve on this to, to a large degree in that 
those games that are reacting to a personality associated with the game aren't really telling you if the game is a good game or not. Those, those reviews will not be deleted. Those reviews will be there for everyone to read. And if people want to see what the score would be like with those reviews, they just click the button and they can do that. So I think that seems pretty fair to all parties. And I think this will kind of ease a bit of the developer anxiety about reviews and review bombing. And we've witnessed review bombing oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. tons of times, haven't we, Nate? Oh, yeah. Plenty of times for games that we like for reasons that sometimes we agree with and other times we don't. What will be interesting is that um, the Steam score, I believe, is some is still impacting the Metacritic score, right? No, I don't think so. I think Metacritic oh. is just uh, based on Metacritic users. Uh-huh. Okay. And it's just, okay, it'll be interesting if, like, Metacritic does something like that because... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because you can still review Bomb on Metacritic. Good right. point. I don't know. Hmm. So, you know, a lot of publishers use the Metacritic scores to reward the developers. So let's say they release a game, and if it's above a certain threshold, then the developers all get bonuses. Oh, your game is awesome. You sold so many copies, and you kept it over, you know... 89% or 91% or 84.2% or whatever the number is. So review bombs can have a direct impact on the income the developers make. So if Steam doesn't apply, fine, but it'll be interesting to see what happens because I know the recently Metacritic had to do that with the movie because it was getting review bombed and it was like... Uh, it was Rotten Tomatoes, but yeah. Oh, well, yeah, right. That's what I meant. But like Rotten Tomatoes was getting... Uh, a movie was getting review bombed and Rotten Tomatoes was like, wait, you people haven't even seen the movie. How can you hate it already? First watch it, then hate it, you know? So stuff like, I've seen stuff like that on Metacritic too, you know? like Yeah, without getting, a doubt. So it'll be interesting to see if this moves from Steam to others because... Like, the Epic Store, to avoid such a situation, has no user reviews, you know? Well, the Epic Store doesn't have much for the customers at all. And yeah. that's one of the things I really liked about Oliver's article and Rob's tweet. We're kind of getting back on this, and I don't really want to. But Sorry. my Sorry. biggest problem with Epic is that it doesn't seem to care that much about the customer. It cares an awful lot about the developer. I understand that caring about the developer is good Important. business, yeah. but... You kind of need the customer to buy the games from the developer. So, somebody you know, has to pay for the games, right? You know, uh, Sergey, Epic Team, if you're listening to this, uh, mm -hmm. first off, thank you. We really enjoy having you here on the Weekly Exchange Podcast. And then, second, consider doing some things for the customers. All right. Because, I mean, your, your attitude towards message boards and social media aspects and reviews and all this sort of thing kind of rubs me the wrong way. And one of my biggest complaints about Steam is that it doesn't have a lot of social media aspects to it. Like, I can't plus one a post in our forums. Yeah, right. Like, if I want to say good post, I literally have to put good post, post in a post yeah. instead of just giving them a plus one, which would make everybody feel better. Right. And, you know, save... I don't know. It, it would be less for everybody to read, too. So I don't, right. I don't know. Right. Anyway. Anyway, I don't want to talk yeah. about Epic anymore. Yeah, uh, I like this change for reviews. This actually seems like Steam put in the time to talk to people, understand mm -hmm. the situation. Mm -hmm. They're in a tough spot no matter what. Yeah, And so I think this is the least worst solution to a legitimate problem where 
I don't think you could get all the sides to ever agree anyway. So I think Valve is managing it the best they can. Somebody somewhere is going to scream, um, you know, censorship and First Amendment rights and free speech, and they're forgetting. Like, or, or yeah, you know, or you're not letting us punish deplorable people or something like that. Something, you know, this sort of thing. Yeah. Which deplorable developers? You know, it's just, you know, ugh. Yes, ugh. Is it, right. it, that doesn't tell you what the game's like. Right. I don't know. So it, it'll be interesting to see if there's like what the filter process will be. Val might actually have to hire a few people to work yes. for him to do this. That would be kind of an exciting development if Valve hired human beings uh, to work on this to make Steam a better place. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Who knows? Are we done with that one? They'll have to do something. Yeah, we're done with that one. Uh, so all right. So let me ask you this: What have you played this week? Um, I haven't played too much this week. Um, Played a bit of uh, World of Tanks Blitz, mm-hmm. and then I played a couple of GOG games. I played Colonization, mm-hmm. the 1994, 94. I want to say, version. 94 it is. The original one, not the one that's based on Civ 4, right? Right, right. And, uh, man, I, <laughs> after all this time, I still love that game. So I played a bit of that, and I think that's pretty much it for this week. How about you? Um I did play one game this week that I can talk about, and it's not the game you're thinking. I played, actually it wasn't this week, it was last weekend, but I played with my son. We played uh, Blood Bowl 2 Legendary Edition match. He's been uh, wanting to, he's like, he remembers from a couple of summers ago, and he's like, oh, dad, remember that game, Blood Bowl, I think. It was so much fun. Let's do it. So we played, and uh, I played a multiplayer game online with other people. We created a team, joined the league. And I played, I think I have to play one game a week, I think is the rules of this league. So I have another game coming up this weekend, and I don't know who yet or what, but uh, we played as Orcs, and we went up against... Who did we go up against? Oh, I don't even remember who we went up against. Somebody was really fast. And we won because of his assistant coaching on the offense. He did a really good job. He saw a weakness and I utilized it and we scored an extra touchdown on the last turn, basically on uh, turn 16 on our last chance with the ball possession. And it was a lot of fun. We're high-fiving each other and we're like, oh yeah, like we had actually done something. So it was a lot of fun. So I played with my son, so I'll probably, I'll be playing another game. So Blood Bowl 2 and I'll be grabbing screen grabs of it because I'm going to have an excursion for it in the near future. And that's it. I didn't. Um, I was. I wanted to play some Thea, but I just did not have time with everybody being sick and like you know trying to get back to work and stuff. It was just crazy. But that is it. And with that, I think I want to wrap it up. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you to our patrons for supporting us. Uh, to our listeners to the podcast, posters in our forums and our our website. To those that watch our videos. Uh, Twitch streams are going to be more regular now between Ben and Dallin. So they're kind of like, I think every other week right now, but hopefully they'll get back to a weekly schedule and uh, hopefully we'll get some more videos up. And again, thank you so much for listening and hanging in there for my rant. It's been bugging me for days and I promised I was going to get it off my chest. And after this, I can go back and rant some more on the forums. But if if there's a need, but yeah, I just, it's... (sighs) No, I think that'll do it. So uh, we'd like to thank everyone for joining us this week for the weekly exchange. This has been Troy and Nate for Explorminate. Take care, everyone. See ya.